0: Today I have with me Professor Simon Bell, uh, who is the Professor of Marketing at the University of Melbourne um, and recent appointee as head of the uh, School of Professional and Continuing Education, MSpace. Simon, it's good to have you with us today. Uh, and the last time I saw Simon, he was looking for his office um, <laughs> in, uh, in uh, University Square. Uh, I presume you've found your office now, Simon?
1: Neil, thank you. Uh, the answer to your first question is no. <laughs> I'm still not sure if I have an office. No, I do. I, I, uh, I am uh, currently, well, I'm still in my old office um, and we are um, spread somewhat over the campus at M-Space and the intention is that that isn't the case for long. I'd like to find a Uh, a place that we could co-locate. I think that's uh, ideal for so many reasons, but uh, when that happens, I suppose then I'll have a, a formal office.
0: And will you have a, a welcome party?
1: Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. In fact, um, I, I think uh, we should launch M-Space formally. I think uh, uh, from as far as I can understand, we've kind of crept onto the scene, um, which is which is great. So we've sort of had a soft launch of sorts. Um, I mean, the school's uh, 14, 15 months old now. So um, we're around, we're operating and we're busy. But uh, as far as a, as a formal launch to our external... Markets and stakeholders, I think we should do one.
0: Good, it sounds like a, an opportunity for a party, which is always a good idea. Well, you're invited, Neil. Great, <laughs> good. Well, maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about mSpace um, and what the university's aspiration for mSpace is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, look, I suppose it's, it's summed up in the acronym. I mean, it is uh, a school that is uh, uh, designed to uh, bring together. Um, hopefully in, in a coherent and strategic way, our, our post-professional, postgraduate education products. Um, we're going to steer clear of anything, well, for the most part, undergraduate, and certainly... Um, allow the academic divisions to continue to uh, teach their master's programs as they, as they have and and so forth and we'll take the non-standard teaching products and so we're talking about uh, you know diplomas grad certs uh, special certificates and of course um, somewhere in the near future our micro credential strategy will, will will be played out largely we think through M space um, so our goal is to is to aggregate these sorts of services to bring a coherence to them as we communicate Communicate with our external customers um, and, and stakeholders. Um, but also, and importantly, I think to drive um, two things. I think we, we, we do have a mandate and, a, and indeed a responsibility to drive additional revenues for the university. Um, but I think uh, equally as important will be our uh, ability to, to uh, support and nurture innovation in teaching and learning. Um, we have uh if you like uh, well we do have very very advanced um, uh, uh, production facilities to produce digital offerings um, that that can push the boundaries I've, I've had the last spent the last couple of weeks getting to know that ca- capacity and been really impressed with what we can do with our, our online offerings um, but but equally I think we can be um, innovative in just modes of teaching and ways of uh, teaching different pedagogies you know I see ourselves in mspace as something of a uh, a sandbox I know that's a hopeless uh, MBA cliche but a sort of a sandbox for experimentation.
0: So, Simon, do, do you think that, um, as tar- you mentioned, that M-Space was established just over a year ago or so, um, and do you think that there's a, a sense that, that that some of these new ways of delivering the content are, are gaining more acceptance or, or, or being more embraced by um, the, the, the university population?
1: Well, the simple answer to that is I don't think we have a choice. Um, but to embrace them, whether the university population has an appetite for it is remains to be seen. I think one thing for me at least um, with the kind of services we'll provide in M space uh, that is not often talked about is the capacity, the capability um, uh, issue. And, and, and by that I mean, are our academics and as an aside, space certainly from my perspective should be featuring our, our academics the best we have uh, the ideas that we have through our research etc we should be featuring that in our programs um, but I don't think we have a capability yet to, to deliver in ways that these sorts of programs demand and so by that I mean you know the difficulties in, in uh, designing, uh, courses classes for an online audience um, we 're not trained that way typically uh, we 're used to the old you know chalk and talk model um, and and I think there are challenges um, you know i 've seen and i 've been uh, uh, part of it myself in stumbling before cameras you know in, 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 in following a script where normally I would just uh, uh, freewheel through a lecture that that's no longer possible when you've got certain time frames to meet in a, in a, uh, a tightly produced uh, digital offering and equally in the face-to-face executive and custom sorts of programs it's a different style um, teaching 35, uh, master's students uh, aged, you know, 20, 21, uh, 22 perhaps, um, pre-experience is a different prospect from teaching uh, uh, 25 partners of PwC or, or Clayton Newts or, or the top management team of Telstra and so on. So it is a different kind of teaching and I think it's not altogether obvious to me that you can just hop out of a, a classroom and into this environment and expect to do it well.
0: And what's been the reaction from from the students, the, those that have kind of embraced and, and enrolled for and progressed through um, some of the programs?
1: I think it's been good um, from what I can see. And certainly I've, I've had some uh, some access to our uh, customer service data and feedback. Um, it, it all looks fantastic. It's not to say that there aren't uh, challenges uh, along the way. And it, these are multiplied when, or magnified rather, when you, you're you're teaching a, a student sitting in, you know, KL or Jakarta or Hong Kong, it's harder to, or, or worse still in, in, uh, in, in Milan or London. I mean, the, the, the time zones are different there. Um, and also of course, you know, we've, we've got a learning management system. That's a, a little bit uh, uh, clunky, if I can use that word, knowing of course, that we are moving uh, university wide to a to Canvas, a much more user-friendly um, and certainly digital-friendly um, platform. So there have been some stumbling blocks, there's no doubt, but I think by and large that the feedback's been great. I mean, if you think about it, Neil, you know, we can bring now some of the best programs we have to offer to, um, you know, a nurse in, in, in Western Victoria or, or or Central Australia, and we can give them access to these amazing programs we teach. And I think that's often lost, that, you know, we we can excite people um, by, by taking the these sorts of world-class offerings to them, uh, and not forcing them to come to us, and I think that's a, a really great result.
0: So I can see you getting excited there as you're describing that. So, so what what drew you to this role and this enterprise within the university?
1: It's a good question because some, a lot of my colleagues have said, uh, you know, are, are you over it yet? Uh, one one colleague from University of New South Wales emailed me and said. What was second prize? Uh, so, so I think, from an most academics, look at this choice uh, to head down this path as head of school of M-Space for the next five years, somewhat curiously. And I, I'm I feel the opposite. I'm energised by it. Um, where does that come from? Well. You know, I I suppose um, in my years at um, Cambridge University working at the Judge Business School, I was exposed to executive education. And it was the first time that I was in a classroom where the people in it were were hanging on every word you said, but not because they needed to pass an exam, but because they wanted to do something differently in their and they workplace. They wanted to be there. And... Oh, well, number one, they're paying to be there. Number two, it's relevant for them. They, they 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 opt in because it's relevant, and on Monday morning they want to do something differently, and all those things combined generates a, a learning atmosphere that for me is unparalleled. I, it's hard to go back. Look, I love my first year students. Um, my principles of marketing one hundred and one students. They are amazing. and I love those big classes. But equally, I think, um, uh, you know, I'm very energized by the kind of teaching that that this uh, school allows. Now, not all of our um, activity will be in that kind of face-to-face executive training. Indeed, it'll probably be a smaller portion of our total activity, but it's what gets me excited. That's kind of non-standard teaching aspect of what we do and uh, i don't think i'll ever get sick of that so so for, for,
0: for space what what would be a, a couple of goals that that um you'd be aiming for in the next say two years
1: well if you ask my partners and i'm calling our faculties partners um we can dig down into why i'm using that term but we c- you, can, you can ask them what my goal should be and of course uh there's there's um one of them has a dollar sign in front of it and that that's clear and I understand that and and it should be the case this is um, um, this is a commercial operation in many respects and, and I want to run it that way um, so I'll keep one eye on that of course but I'm, I'm really interested around about the kind of innovation that we might demonstrate uh, in, in M space you know one thing for example is that we're working very closely with a big four accounting firm at the moment and uh, with a the possibility of creating, co-creating IP uh, to, to take to not just their own cohort of of leaders but 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 to their clients leaders so that this is both a co-creation exercise for an, an educational service but also a route to market a new way to access new learners new students and potentially then future al- alumni of the university so there's, there's great scope for innovation and i feel like at the moment i've i've been given a long leash so i'm i'm going to use it
0: that's great and so T- th- thinking about the connection between sort of M Space, and you use the word partner mm. in relation to faculties and so on. Um, as professional staff, we've been grappling with the word customer mm. and whether academic staff and, and students are, are customers. Um, and in university services, as you know, we took a conscious decision a couple of years ago that we would use the customer word, even if it was just to focus minds and, and encourage a, a different way and different relationship with the users of our services. So, so tell us a little bit of what you think about this whole language, the partner, the customer, um, because for some people, it's going to be well. You're just playing around with words, and it's what you do that, that counts. But give us a bit of insight from your perspective in that.
1: Well, I'm stating the obvious to say that language is so important, and uh, and I think that you can't hide behind um, language that, uh, that 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 acts as a roadblock to change or innovation. Uh, you know, one thing that was spoken about. To a great extent, at Torquay was the um, the student experience and the need to revitalise that, rejuvenate that, to make this one of the you know world leading uh, experiences that that uh, our students have. Um, you 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 can't get to that outcome in my view by using the word student. It, it always then. Connotes, if you like, the sort of the the master student, the the order taker, the uh, the subject, the the apprentice, um, and that's not the right language um, to use, in my view, if you want to create a world class experience. Um, you know, if you take, for example, some retail stores, Sephora, Aesop, a local brand, um, that create world-class retail experiences. I mean, you know, they start from the, the, the perspective of the customer and then they work backwards to find out what they need to do differently to make sure that customer feels like they're at the center of these, these world-class retail experiences. They're just selling soap but you, you leave that store feeling like you've bought a lot more than soap and I, and, I, and the same thing applies to our students. They're just buying degrees well no they're, they're, they're coming for a transformational experience and I think that the, the more we use the word customer the better frankly now I'm a professor of marketing so I would say that Look I will I will say and as a sort of a, a caveat that there's a point in the student's journey where they take off their customer hat and they put on their what I call work in progress hat. They become, you know, uh, a, a chunk of wood on the lathe or, a, or clay on the, the wheel. Um, why do I say that? Well, there's a time at which we need to to take a dispassionate view to their credentials, if you like. We need to step back and say, somewhat at arm's length, you haven't made the grade. Um, to use customer in that instance would be could could be confusing, and in, in that moment, my customer and I think about this actually when I mark exams. My customer, as I mark an exam, is PwC, is Telstra, is Smith Family, is the Department of Treasury. You know, they're my customer then because they're asking me to accredit this student on their behalf. So I think there are points in the student's journey where they cease to be customers, but I think we've used that excuse to call them students for way too long, and and even in an exam. That should be an exciting, enjoyable, as much as that's possible, customer experience. Um, they shouldn't have to have tables that wobble and and um, and draughty rooms and uh, lack of bathroom breaks, et cetera. We can even look at an exam as a as a, a customer experience that can be improved. So now I'm all for it, Neil.
0: We've talked in the past quite a lot about educating our customers to be better customers and therefore get more out of either the relationship or the service or the experience. And you've done a lot of work around this. I've heard you talk about um, coffee in this context. I, I see you mentioned Aesop before, you know, it's just soap, but it's a much bigger mm. experience than that. Mm. So so tell us a little bit about that, how we can educate our customers to be better customers so that we can serve them
1: better. It, it's. I mean, to take a step back, that that research that I was doing on customer education was driven by a somewhat curious observation um, in my wife's business where she would spend what I thought at the time was a, an inordinate amount of time speaking to customers, helping them to come, become better at consuming her coffee. And... You could argue, from an operational perspective, that that was a waste of time. You're, you're disappointing a person in the queue who's waiting for their co- uh, coffee, and uh, all you're doing is helping them to understand the product, such that they can go and consume it elsewhere, or make it at home, or or what have you. So I thought about it a little bit more, and I thought there can't be there has to be a reason why my wife's doing this. Why this is important to her beyond just the passion for the product. And then, so we decided to test the idea. We went we and looked at this idea in, um, beyond the anecdotal evidence in, uh, in cafes. We went to banks and stockbroking firms and beyond. And what we found was that when you educate customers, you are creating value for them because you're actually paying them some attention. Um, but you create value for the firm um, because they become better at using or consuming your product. Now, yes, true, we found, also found that they also become better at consuming other competitors' products. So it's a sort of a double-edged sword. But the net effects typically were that they stayed more loyal to you. Um, and it's easier to serve a customer who has an intimacy with how you operate, who gets it, who understands um, the way in which we operate at the University of Melbourne. So I'm all for that that model. I think, um, yeah, there may be a somewhat of a double-edged sword, but I think we should be pursuing all opportunities to educate our students in the way we do things, make them better consumers of our services.
0: And it's interesting, too, thinking about because th- th- there's a connection here to Continuing education, not just doing a first degree with us or a master's, or but but into the M space space, you know, an executive education. We get it right at the beginning, and we've we've got those settings optimized. Then that lifelong relationship is achievable.
1: Absolutely, in fact, no pressure, Neil. But you, you <laughs> my success depends on your success. So, but you, you're dead right. I mean, we've we've often thought about. Um, you know, our customers as, as barely consumers of one or two at most of our products, undergrad, postgrad, and we'll, we'll see you in 40 years when we ask you for money. It's sort of been how we've operated. Um, we know now, and certainly with M-Space, that that's not a great way to operate. And if you speak to our alumni relations groups, I mean, they they... They shudder to think that we, you know, will cut off our students after the completion of their masters or worse, their undergrad. And and, and never see you again. I mean, I think M Space gives us an opportunity to, to fill that um that that gap. We we we've used the word lifelong learning for many, many years, but we've not done anything about it. And I think M Space is a concerted attempt to do that. I heard a lovely um, description of where MSpace is operating the other day, um, in the realms of the 60-year curriculum, I think was the term used. And I don't know who coined the phrase. um, Hunt Lambert, a professor at Harvard, uh, has borrowed it from someone else, but I can't attribute it to him, but I'll look it up and find out who's coined that. But it's a lovely phrase. It's this notion that we've got to be designing curricula, not just for uh, the years of 18 to 21, but but, but for a life's journey through... through, uh, through learning, and and I think that um, that's where MSpace will play a part.
0: So, just coming back then to the, the kind of customer word and the relationship that professional staff have with our academic colleagues, mm. is that a
1: customer relationship? It's interesting. So, I my and I should I should perhaps explain why I've used the word partner for MSpace. Um, it, it's it's the other option for me was to use the term internal customer. Or stakeholder, as is currently used in MSpace, and I'm trying to change the language a little. The reason why I think they're partners in this is because we are—we don't sit necessarily outside of their operations. Yes, well, in fact, we're housed within FBE. Um, we are on a journey with them, and they're investors in us. So, on, on, you know, in some sense, I could call them shareholders, and I don't think that's necessarily correct. Um, we will be treating them as customers. No doubt about that. And so there will be a time where, for example, they've asked us to do some work and we need to deliver and we'll, we'll pivot to the word customer in those instances. But I also need the partners to show commitment to the long term. I want our faculty partners to, to be with us as we try to launch this business. Now, will I change the language when we're super successful? Possibly, actually. Because in a sense, um, when we've launched um, and a, a, a partner or faculty uh, feels like they can get better value elsewhere from maybe another production house or or another business development firm or a marketing organization, well, um, th- they're welcome to, to outsource in that sense. I will have failed then, but they're welcome to do it. Um, but I will be successful enough to stand on my own two feet. I think, when I say I, I mean the team. But I think in the, in these first two to three years, I'm really looking for um, a sort of, I suppose, patient a patient capital approach to, to investing in M-Space. And uh, look, I have to be fair into any... Dean, listening to this, um, you've been very patient already. This is 15 months into this MSpace experiment, for which I'm grateful. But um, I think I need another two years of that sort of partner status before I can pivot to using the term customer. Can university services... Call, use the word partner, or well, maybe, maybe if there are joint ventures that, that you embark on with a, with a faculty, um, something a bit risky, a bit new, uh, that requires them being patient as you work out the business model. Maybe then I think that's an pr- appropriate term, but I'm very happy with with you treating the, the faculties as customers, if only because, um, you know, if I think about where value is created in um in organisations, service organisations, it's at the front lines. It's absolutely at the front lines, and so the customers in the organisation are not just the faculties, but the, or especially it's the it's the people in the classes. It's the tutors running the courses, the lecturers delivering the classes, uh, the. But it's also the professional staff who are on the front lines. We're sitting above stop one. I mean, they're the front line. They are our customers as well. Management, certainly. Middle management and frontline management and leadership as well. If you're not on the front line, if you're not interfacing with a customer, then you are support staff. You are. And that includes faculty members. Um, if I have a colleague who needs help in a classroom, they need some someone to fill in or to uh, give a little guest talk or something like that, then they are my customer as well. So it's not just whether University Services calls the faculties in a big block a customer. I think we need to think more in a more nuanced way to think about anyone in a customer-facing role at any time is deserving of if you like, support, and that they then are our customer in that moment. Uh, maybe I'm muddying the waters here, Neil, but that, that's uh, that's sort of what I think about it, whether it's easier to then just call as a blanket uh, term uh, customers for our, our uh uh, faculties. That's also okay with me.
0: Whenever we we, we we talk, I always go away with with a new idea or a new way of grappling <laughs> with something. And I and I think that 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 um, that use of the word partner and partnership. Mm. Um, is certainly something that 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 we've been trying to embrace as well because mm. um similarly to to M space you know the faculties the university as a whole chose to invest in um something that was unti- untried and untested mm. and mm. um we've given it a, a red hot go um, and so that sense of partnership is is relevant to us um at the same time you're right that there are some relationships where um it really should be focusing on the needs of mm. of the customer and mm. and the individual at that point
1: absolutely but and it goes both ways i mean if even at that individual level if for example a stop one um frontline service employee needs a faculty member to make a call on a uh, you know, international enrolment or a, a special consideration application or something along those lines, and and a faculty member keeps them waiting, then that that they've let them down. The faculty member is, is, is not provided good customer service, internal customer service, to the stop one frontline employee. You can't have a faculty member say, well, hey, I'm the internal customer, mate. You do that on my terms. That's not cricket. You know, so so you know the sort of the blanket term loses some of that nuance. yeah, um but I think it's helpful, as you said earlier in your introduction to to the question, that the the term customer itself actually does sharpen the focus. um, so I'm happy with it used more often than not.
0: I think this year we've we've seen some real progress in in our stop one. Um, service area and 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 you look at the wait times they've gone down we've been listening to what our our customers have saying what our partners in faculties have been saying and trying to respond to to all of that and i I, I think and and I'm sure that we're we're, we're getting there it's not victory we're, we're not declaring victory yet but we think that there's been significant progress. So, so all of that is, is great news for the future. Indeed. So um, we're getting to that point where, where I ask you about your favourite um, building or spot on campus. So, so where would that be? Is it a coffee shop? <laughs> is there anywhere good on campus that
1: serves quality coffee. <laughs> well, you're you're asking you're asking the wrong guy cuz uh <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I <laughs> Well, um there's about 12 12 places in Melbourne that I can have a coffee otherwise I just have a water. So, um not even 12, maybe. So eight. you're an aficionado. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's I it sounds so Melbourne, it doesn't it to say that, but um when your wife is in specialty coffee, you almost have no choice. Um so so Probably not on campus, but um, uh, push comes to shove. Uh, oh. It doesn't have to be a coffee shop, no. Well, okay. Well, then, I'll, then, then I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't um, make that claim. But, but I have two uh, photos, Neil, in my office, um, framed. And uh, when I left the University of Melbourne, this is my first employer. Probably my last. I've had I've had one in between, and that was the University of Cambridge. When I left for Cambridge in two thousand and two, uh, after I suppose eight years uh, from ninety four um, at Melbourne, I had a going away party, and and the department uh, gave me a gift, and the gift was uh, two photos of the uh, the law court, the the, the cloisters, and uh, it, it was. Uh, I suppose in my early days as a young twenty-three-year-old, you can do the maths now. How old I am, um, you know, first-year employee of the University of Melbourne, um, and I would walk from Carlton through the campus to the building, uh, the, the, the faculty of, uh, uh, well, it was at the time Economics and Commerce, mm-hmm. um, uh, in uh, the other side of Old Arts. I knew it took me just a little bit extra longer to walk to work, but I would always divert. And walk through the cloisters. Yeah, it was every day, every day of my life. I've walked there. Even when I now walk from Grattan over Grattan to Raymond Priestley, I could probably walk up Monash Road, but I don't. I always walk. You choose to go. I that choose way. to go through the cloisters. And so, and I said that to anyone who'd listen. And so they gave me these lovely photos to take to Cambridge, of all places, that has cloisters to to spare. Um, but it was that. That is a sense of home. Though, yeah, and, and you know what a great non-pecuniary benefit, that we get to work at a place as beautiful as this. It's it's a remarkable privilege.
0: We had some visitors from the National University of Singapore yesterday and we were showing them the underground car park. Oh, amazing, eh? Which they were quite shocked and... Blown away by, and the system garden. I oh, mean, that's just fantastic. The system, so there's some yeah. really amazing spots around the campus to two of to, to just two of go and, and have a look. Um, and the, the other the other question is 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 a music question. Mm. And your, your 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 music of choice or band of choice, and and who would that be? I look.
1: <laughs> I think. I grew up with listening to Motown. My dad was a huge Motown fan. So, you know, um, you know Quincy Jones and George Benson and so on. I, I got to university and I, and I sort of found my own voice or at least my own tastes and I got stretched and pulled in different directions. And, of course, at the, a, a formative part of my life, uh, the Pixies launched uh, – uh, their their second al- third album Do Little and uh, and that I just couldn't get enough of and so I look the Pixies are, are like an all time favourite band for me um, one track uh, maybe um, Digging for Fire on their uh, Bossanova LP I, I I love that song um, but yeah look I like all kinds of music and uh, but I think if I had to pick a, a band that represented those formative years I'd I'd pick the Pixies.
0: So, so there's a plug for Bossa Nova as an LP. Bossa Nova. And and... Look it up if you if you want to <laughs> if you want to find out what Simon's really like. <laughs> um, and and a, a book um, or or or, um, or or a person who hmm. has had a particular impact on you that um, you kind of just think,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a real. Well, it, it's interesting, isn't it? The, that a book that's had an impact um, or a person clearly. For me, at least, people. I think there's some people that have made a huge impact on my life. Um, you know, Colin McLeod, who's still with us at the University of Melbourne, he's the current director of the Melbourne Entrepreneurship Centre, He's my first mentor and really got me into academia, taught me marketing. I was a wavering economist and he pulled me in the direction of marketing and his lifelong friend and mentor. Uh, Greg Whitwell um, was a a scholar that uh, uh, is now the Dean of University of Sydney Um, and a terrific an amazing uh, scholar, but a great friend and a, a very wise head. Um, Professor Yarn Hayter from, uh, from Wisconsin, Paul Tracy, a colleague at Cambridge, those two guys have taught me so much about the academic enterprise, I can't, can't even begin to say. So in terms of people, it's easy. Um, books are harder. I, I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say I, I don't read enough uh, fiction, um, I, I, I walk to the, um, gravi- I gravitate to the non-fiction sections of readings, um, or any bookshop for that matter. Um, I was really affected by, uh, a book called Shadow Boxing by Tony Birch. It's, um, it's, it's set in, uh, I think the fifties and sixties in Fitzroy. Um, and as a sort of a lifelong, um, resident of Carlton Fitzroy area, I, I, I just sort of resonated with me, certainly not the era. I wasn't Born then, but um, but it just uh, and it was beautifully written actually, and it was a, a lovely book and quite emotional actually in many parts. Um, the, on, on the non-fiction side, um, well, a, a book by um, a professor from MIT, um, Zanept ton She wrote a book called "The Good Job Strategy," and it's the first time anyone outside of marketing has written. A, a book that acknowledges from another disciplinary perspective the importance of frontline employees and that's where all my research is mostly at least frontline employees and and I, it was really lovely to see an operations professor kind of go penny drop and say oh gosh these people really matter to the, the success of an organization and so she looks takes an operational perspective to frontline employees and their satisfaction in their good jobs so I'd highly recommend that as a as a book to read. So
0: well, that's some great reading for Easter. Julie Willis, when when she spoke to me, recommended Dark Emu, oh, yes. and I I went Better away and I've been I've been reading that and uh, and so you, you you've given me my Easter reading. So <laughs> thank you, thank you for that, and thank you Simon for for taking the time to, to to talk to me today and to and to share with you uh, with us um, your thoughts about M Space and and uh, it sounds really exciting and. And um, we look forward to seeing how that plays out and the contribution as professional staff that we can make to the success of that venture for the university. Um, so thank you. Thanks, And uh, have a good afternoon.
1: You too. Thanks a lot.